Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 323rd edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that. To be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win 54 to 53, North Carolina did it. North Carolina wins the championship. With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! You're on way to Worthy, Worthy 5, the Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber, front court, Carolina with foul, he takes the timeout, they're out foul. of timeout, technical foul, technical foul on Michigan, they're out of timeout. Front court, Williams on the drive, gets it back out to head, long outside shot, short rebound, it's May, it's over, Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72, and how about them Tar Heels, they are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national daggum champion. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys once again today. Here to recap Carolina's 74-73 defeat at Georgia Tech last night as Carolina's 10-game winning streak comes to an end and Carolina does suffer their first defeat in conference play. We'll do what we always do. We'll take a look at the box score. You'll hear from head coach Huber Davis, stat of the game, couple takeaways and a score, and, of course, a discussion topic after the defeat. But we'll go ahead and just jump right in. Um you know, I, I think it's fair to say did not see that coming. We both picked Carolina to win. I thought Carolina was going to split going into the 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 schedule, the, the the Florida State and Georgia Tech road trips. But I thought if they won at Florida State, they'd win at Georgia Tech. Um, and I was wrong. But I also said I hated being nine and zero. I had a weird, uneasy feeling about the record. And if we're being honest, Carolina's been trending towards getting beaten. In the last two weeks, um, they haven't played as well as they have in the first uh, the first part of the month, which makes a lot of sense when you haven't lost in well over a month. Um, and I don't think last night's loss changes my opinion of them, my belief in them. Um, but you know, somewhat of a frustrating defeat. Carolina, like they were on Saturday, builds a double digit lead in the first half, um, and, and at the halfway point, it felt like Carolina was going to be able to, to end the game rather easily. And that just wasn't the case. Um, the last nine minutes of the first half, they finished four of fourteen from the field. They go one of nine, you know, from the or the, at one point they're one of nine from the free throw line. Um, and on the flip side, not getting stops, not boxing out. Um, and then you see eleven point lead become a tied score at the break. And in the second half, Carolina just. Never took control of the game. Like they've done all the road and all these other games that have been close. They take control in the second half. That was never the case. They actually fell behind as many as 68-60 to 60 before they go on a 13-4 run to get back in front, take a brief 73-72 lead um, after R.J. Davis picked up a loose ball, ran it down the other way for a layup on the flip side. Georgia Tech sets up in the half court. Call timeout. Uh, Nate George with a hard drive uh, to his left to finish over Armando Baycott. 
gives Georgia Tech the lead with less than five seconds to go. And now we get to what we got to start with, which is the controversy around the no call. Oh, yay. Um, You know, Hubert Davis draws a great set. He gets R.J. Davis going downhill. Gets what he wants, a great mid-range shot that R.J. has hit time and time again. There was contact. The shot was missed. And there was no whistle blown. Um, Jay Williams, who was on the broadcast, thought there was a foul. Of course, all of us in, in Tar Heel Nation thought it was a foul. And so we'll just go ahead and just address this right off the rip. Was it a foul? Yes. Yeah. R.J. Davis was fouled. Um, and, and you would think that the ACC Player of the Year, the guy that's second in the running to be the National Player of the Year, would get that call. Um, here's the thing. That's not why Carolina lost the game. No. And... Um, you know, I know we got Duke on Saturday, and Duke was gifted a, a call at home over the weekend to beat Clemson. I agreed with that foul call that allowed Duke to win the game. Um, not saying that I didn't agree with the no, with the no call here, but I looked at the game and thought the game should have never come down to that. And I never blame officials because you should never put the officials in a position to determine the outcome of the game. And so it's it's fair to be upset. The inconsistencies of the officiating crew in this conference, um, it, it is a problem. It needs to be corrected. But if you're a diehard Carolina fan and you're looking for me to come on here and, and blame the officials for why Carolina got beat, then you're going to be disappointed. Um, if you're if you're if you're coming here wanting to hear me kick and scream and yell. You're going to be disappointed. I'm not going to do that. Boy, you're you're not really setting us up for success here. Apparently, uh, you're setting us up for disappointment. No, th- I will say this. It is not the reason that they lost. For the majority of the people that I saw on social media, that was not what they were pointing to. The thing that doesn't make sense is what you brought up. How is there a lack of consistency from literally... Three days earlier, four days earlier, whatever. I I can't. I think it's three. Yeah. The, I, you're saying that we shouldn't make that call late in games, which I'm okay with that mindset. But you set a precedent on Saturday that late game, late game or middle of the first half, we're calling contact if it's there. Well, there was contact there. The defender was not set. So, I'm not understanding. What is it? Why? you? There needs to be more consistency across the league. We get it. The officiating in this conference is going to suck. But can you at least consistently suck? That's all we're asking for. So, yeah, I, I thought, it, 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 you know, RJ should have been at the line. There's no doubt in my mind he should have been. But at the same time, honestly, this is how I look at it. He should have been at the line. Would he have made both shots? The way that this team was shooting free throws, I mean, dear God, like that, that you had so many opportunities. You're one of nine from the foul line at one point in this game. One of nine, like, come on, man! It, it, it's it, it's ridiculous that it came down to that point. In in all honesty, because. This team, they should have been able to put him away a lot earlier. They should have, frankly, been able to put him away in the first half. But when Georgia Tech went on that run, I think we all knew, okay, we're in for a battle here. Well, I mean, look, we we also got to credit the opponent. And, look, Georgia Tech's not going to the tournament. Um, you know, they, they might only win three or four more games the rest of the ACC season. Yeah, it'll be against every team that has the chance to make the NCAA tournament because that's all they beat. But, I mean, I mean uh, they've, they've, they've found their guy. Um, the problem is, is other programs around the country will evaluate what Damon Stoudemire is doing at Georgia Tech. And no matter what the record is, they'll be willing to bring him in because they are in a better position, more more money, more resources, better recruiting ground, whatever. That's now their third win at home over a top twenty-five opponent. Um, they've, you know, he now becomes the first coach or the third coach alongside Sidney Lowe and Kevin Keats to beat Carolina in his first season. Oh man, uh, Hall of Famers right there, right? So you know that's that's pretty that's pretty impressive. 
Um, and look, we I said going in, don't let Miles Kelly get comfortable. Scored off 15 points in this first half. Like, he was able to set the tone. He made the shots that he had to make to, to keep his team in the ballgame. And yet, he still wasn't comfortable, by the way, because he had three fouls. Yeah. Like, you got him into foul trouble, and you still let... I let those guys off the hook. They had multiple guys in foul trouble. You know, they they they, they played harder than Carolina. They wanted it more than than, than Carolina did. Um, even though Carolina beat them up on, on on the backboards, they were they were the tougher team, and they were the better coach team. I, I think for me, as someone that's that's really come around on Huber Davis, that defends him almost like I defended Roy Williams for the majority of the time that I had to defend a. Hall of Fame head coach that won multiple national championships. To me, that was pretty glaring. Was that Huber Davis was I, I I thought wildly outcoached. You know, the latter half of the first half, the majority, the majority of the second half. Um, you know, I, I'm not. I can't speak for what Georgia Tech's future is going to look like. But if Damon Stoudemire is there and he's there for the long haul, this will be a program that will be back in the NCAA tournament um, very quickly because people want to play for him. He's got a name. A lot of you know a lot of you know a lot of people in the NBA know him, um, and so he'll be able to get the type of talent in his program to be able to 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 compete. Um, and something that I haven't seen the majority of my life as a Carolina fan, but we've we learned the hard way once again that that going to it. Atlanta um, isn't the easiest thing to do, um, as Carolina, you know, was was unable to get to get the job done last night. Let's take a look at the box score. Um, you know, Carolina is not a winning one. You shoot thirty six percent on the road. You were twenty eight of seventy seven compared to Georgia Tech's forty one percent. They were twenty five of sixty one, but you know they made the they made 9 of 23 pointers they shot 45% from 3 carolina's three point defense looked like it did at the beginning of the year this wasn't as connected they didn't close out strong they didn't defend the pick and rolls the way that they have and georgia tech shooters got up and looks they got confident and they saw the ball go in the basket more often than not conversely carolina was 8 of 28 um and look 8's a good number in terms of of makes but 28 is is too many in terms of attempts. Um, and, and Cormac Ryan, a guy that has shot less than 30% from behind the three-point line, shot 10 threes last night. Harrison Ingram, who's an above 40% three-point shooter because he doesn't shoot a volume of threes, took seven. Just can't happen. We're not a perimeter shooting team. Um it's maybe the reason why you don't believe we can win a national championship, but this team isn't built to win games from the outside, and it was the first time all year they saw a zone defense, and they panicked. Free throw shooting, Carolina 9 of 17. Their worst free throw shooting performance since they shot 39% at Louisville back in 2021. Oh, my God. Conversely, Georgia Tech 15 of 17. That's the difference in the ball game. Team that was like 333rd in the country in free throw shooting coming in, too. 11 turnovers for Carolina led to nine Georgia Tech points. 11's a healthy number, but 10 of them came in the first half. You, you clean it up in the second half, but back-to-back road games, you're not valuing the basketball. You, you force 14 turnovers, but only, you know, but only score 14 points off of them, something that Carolina's done a much better job at is scoring off of turnovers – wasn't the case last night. You dominate the glass 48-41, despite getting out-rebounded on the defensive glass 31-26, to which you have 22 offensive rebounds and 23 second-chance points. Like Now, that's the one number in this box score you look at and you see and you think Carolina wins. 22 offensive rebounds, 23 second-chance points, it should be enough to get the job done. You give up 10 offensive rebounds, the most you've given up in what feels like forever, only eight second-chance points. Uh, Georgia Tech's bench was sensational. They outscored Carolina's bench 39-14. Points in the paint in favor of Carolina, 34-26. Fast break points in favor of Carolina, 12-3. Carolina with 17 assists on 28 made baskets. Georgia Tech with 10 assists on their 25 made baskets. Let's now transition to the quote of the game. And here's what Huber Davis had to say about his team's final possession. We wanted to get the ball to RJ on the run, and um, we were able to do that. Um, I felt like he was in a position where, you know, he had an angle on his guy and had a couple steps on him. 
other than that, I couldn't see anything. Um, last thing I saw, I saw RJ on the ground. And so, um, you know, their last two baskets was a fadeaway bank three and a going the wrong, opposite wrong hand direction banked floater over Armando. So, you know, they were able to make one more play than us. I think the first thing I'll say is great play design by Hubert Davis coming out of the timeout. Um, it was very easy to you know figure out what he was wanting to do when you saw RJ line up in the backcourt and you had Armando standing at the foul line extended that the ball was going to go go into Armando. RJ is going to come downhill, be able to screen his defender and be able to get a look, you know, either at the rim or maybe depending on how much time's left, get to the rim. So I think the play the and then the design is there. And in a lot of ways the execution was there because you did draw a foul. Foul wasn't called and I don't think the play was drawn up with the intention to draw a foul, but there was there was semi execution there. So you have to you have to like that and you have to trust that if the you know if put in that same position again, your head coach can draw up a play and get his best player in a position to to make a play. And that's all that's all you could ask for in that situation was could you put yourself in a spot to have a chance to win the game. Um, my problem was was what happened on the previous possession. You get the lead. You get you know the Georgia Tech calls the timeout. You have a chance to substitute. Armando Baycott shouldn't have been on the court. Um, you know, and I look. Jalen Washington had his issues last night in the pick and roll. I don't know what Georgia Tech's done differently running pick and rolls than other teams, but that's the worst Carolina has looked guarding it all month long. Um, as it was just over time and time again, Georgia Tech got what they wanted out of that. So you should have put Jalen Washington in the game, if for anything else more than his length. Because I think his length may probably may either blocks that shot or it alters it enough to where you miss it, you get the defensive rebound, you get the heck out of dodge with the win. But, you know, as, 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 as I said earlier, if you're looking for someone to be kicking and screaming, I'm not going to do that. You lost a game on the road against a team that's played ranked teams at home very tough by a point. And their last two made shots, as you heard from Huber Davis, were a banked-in three and a drive going the opposite way from his strong hand over an outstretch Armando Baycott. Like... You didn't play great. You didn't play to the standard that we have grown to expect you to play, and I'll hold you accountable to that. Like, you're a championship-caliber team. Last night was not a championship-caliber effort, but I'd much rather learn that lesson in late January than in late March. Um, and so in all, in all, all, when it comes to all things total, you know, I, 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 think, I think people want vitriol. They want anger. You didn't get it from the head coach, and you're not going to get it from me. And in the long run, this loss, I think, if 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 this team is what this team was, what we think this team is, this loss will be a good thing for them moving forward, not a bad thing. Well, yeah, I mean that's how everybody would hope that it ends up turning out. Um, you know, I I thought if they lost, I would probably be more concerned, but I'm I'm not. I'm not really. I mean, looking at it, that was a game that. They still should have won. Now, if they if things would have continued in the direction that it was trending in the middle of the second half, and let's say they lose by double digits, okay, then then maybe there is a little more concern. But they still should have won the game. Um, me, look, not vitriol. Um, I didn't have a problem with the fact Armando was on the court. I, you just you cannot switch that. That's that is basic knowledge, and that in that circumstance. You've seen what this kid has been able to do most of the night. His, it's clear that when he was scoring, his strength was getting to the basket. You knew he was going to try to attack the rim, and for some reason you switched it. I don't understand. I would rather live with you icing that, deciding we're, we're just going we're gonna to play it straight up and seeing if he can beat who I mean, I don't know who was matched up with him most of the evening. 
I would. I, I don't know who got switched out on that. I'd have to go back and watch the play because I was focused on the fact that Armando was the one that got switched on to him. But I feel much better about somebody else being put in that situation. That really great coaching job by Damon Stoudemire. He noticed that Carolina was struggling with the switch all evening, decided let's throw it at them here in this final possession and see if they switch it. Sure enough, they did, and they got the matchup that they wanted. Um, but, yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, what does it mean long-term, I, I don't really I, – I don't think there's much there. Now, the one thing I'll be interested to watch on Saturday is the turnovers. Those first-half turnovers, that's a little concerning to me, the fact that you've now done it back-to-back games. We've seen that be a problem in games earlier in the year that you did win. Carolina comes out a little bit slow in the first half, gets sloppy – with the turnovers. Duke's going to be aggressive, man. They're going to want to create those turnovers. So Carolina's got to be smarter with how they're handling the basketball. Now, it would help if Elliot Cadeau would be able to stay in the game in the first half. That was one thing where if you wanted to take issue with the referees, that's another area people were were talking about. Little, you know, they, they were calling some touch fouls on him. Didn't seem like they were calling it on a lot of other guys on the floor. But uh, I, I think, you know, that that's the one thing that I might take away from this and say ultimately they need to they they, they need to focus on getting cleaned up. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it here in a little bit later. Last night was a good chance to reset everything. Um, you know, Hubert Davis. I listened to his radio show from from earlier in the week. He's still been on them about getting better defensively, getting better rebounding. That message isn't being heard as as loudly when you're winning. It's just not. Well, I said it when we were talking about ultimately wanting to lose before the Duke game or getting too concerned about this team peaking. I don't remember which conversation it was. You will form bad habits when you're winning. There are things that you do that, hey, normally we would be criticizing that, but you're winning. So, okay, it's working right now. You're winning by double digits in every game. Um, so of course we're not going to be that concerned about it, but you're starting to see a couple of those things that are cropping up. The good news is, right, they're relatively easy fixes. It's not something where it's like, oh, this is the identity of the team and we just never realized it. No, they're things that you can tweak, that you can clean up, and ultimately Carolina will probably be able to look back on this game and say this was one of those things that helped us to get ourselves in the right form for March. Yep. Um, stat of the game, free throw shooting. Uh, Carolina, 9 of 17 from the foul line. As I mentioned, the worst free throw shooting performance since a game at Louisville in 2021. Conversely, Georgia Tech was 15 of 17. And the problem is is that your guys that you, you expect to make foul shots missed them. RJ missed one last night. Armando missed one last night. Seth Trimble was 2 of 5 from the foul line. I mean, those are those are three of your, or you know, especially with Davis and Baycott, those are those are two of your better free throw shooters. And I know it's hard to get on RJ when he's shooting ninety four percent from the foul line, but it came back. It it was a difference in the game. What is it? Four straight games now. He's missed a foul shot. It's though? either four. It's either four straight or four of the last five. Armando going one of two. Like he's a big man, but he's shooting almost eighty percent from the foul line. You expect to convert. Um, in those situations. So um, this is something that Carolina's got to work on. You know, uh, it, it's hard to win a national championship if you don't shoot free throws well. Um, and, and, look, a lot of Carolina's best players aren't great free throw shooters. Harrison Ingram is one of them. You know, he's a below 60% foul shooter. He was 0 for 1 last night. Seth Trimble was 2 of 5. You're a guard. It's, it's inexcusable. Well, the, the thing is, right, Trimble struggling shooting from the foul line. Well, the guy that he's coming into the game for most of the time, Elliot Cadeau, also struggling shooting from the foul line. You know, and a part of it for Trimble is you shouldn't be shooting so many free throws because you should be finishing through contact. And I know well, that's that, the whole team. I know that's Come something on. that uh, he's working on. Um, it probably just is more of a mental block thing. But there were plays at the rim last night that this is why this is why his head coach tells him to dunk it. Um, is because for whatever reason layups aren't as easy as dunks. And this is something that for the most part Carolina has been able to overcome mediocre to batch uh, free throw shooting performances wasn't the case last night and it was the biggest reason as much as any 
that they got beat. All right, so there's the first half of the show. We've taken a look at the box score. You, you've heard from head coach Hubert Davis. Coming up next, though, we'll get into more of our thoughts, our takeaways, our closing notes, and so much more. But first, we got to take a break to give you a message from one of our new partners. Hey there, Josh here for the Autograph Fandom app. Want to get rewarded for listening to our show? The team at Autograph, co-founded by Tom Brady, is redefining the fan experience by letting users earn points for the acts of fandom they take every day, like listening to this show. The Autograph Fandom app gives you access to your favorite UNC content in one place and offers rewards like tickets, exclusive merchandise, and much more. You're already listening to our show, but now you can earn points and get rewarded for it. Head over to the Apple App Store and search for Autograph Fandom Rewarded and download it today for free using the referral code HEELTOUGH. Link and code are also in our podcast description. Really hope you guys take that message to heart. Check out Autograph. They got a great thing going on over there. Use that referral code. Um, you know, help us help you. And I think it'll work out for everybody the way that we all want it to. Get in now to, you know, oh, I like that. Our, uh, our, our thoughts and takeaways. Um, first, really, pers- uh, first poor defensive performance of conference play in this iteration of ACC play. Um, you know, the Florida State win back in December. Like it counts toward the record. I'm not counting that in terms of the, the the defense that we have seen because at that time, that wasn't who Carolina had become defensively. First team to score more than 70 um, against Carolina in conference play, and they shot 45 percent from three. Um, and, and really, I just thought we're the more aggressive team, and they took it to Carolina, and Carolina was more reacting to what they were doing more than than forcing the action. As I mentioned, Miles Kelly, 15 first half points, was three of six from three. Was handed out five assists. Kyle Sturdivant off the bench, 18 points. Made all four of his three-pointers in 22 minutes. But, um, look, there's no denying that the the guy that kind of changed everything for them was Nathan George, who just kind of like what we saw the other night for us against, um, you know, Florida State and what Elliott Cadeau did. For, for He was the same thing for Georgia Tech in this game. He was the energizer bunny, and he was putting relentless pressure on Carolina's defense, scoring 16 points, was just four of ten from the field, but was eight of ten from the foul line. And look, I know we don't we don't like the foul calls that 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 Elliott picked up. Um, you you would like to see that contact not go called for, but it it wasn't the case. But like that's what he did. Like and once he realized that he had a little bit of an advantage, was a little bit quicker than Elliott last night. He just kept driving right at him. Um, and forcing Elliott to to put his hands on him and and draw the contact, but um, you know I I thought I thought the press was effective. I thought it was used too late and not used often enough, um, which is something I've griped about throughout. Well, no, the- here's the thing: how can you use it often when you're not making shots? That's the pro- That that's was part of the issue. I why mean, they couldn't use it more often was because offensively. And and we'll get in. I know we're going to get into it. They That's where all the problems stem they, from. They they should have. You're okay. It's 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 okay to press in the first half. Like it just it just is. Yeah. I mean, look. I thought they should have as well. There's no doubt about it. And I don't know if they just they have gotten comfortable with being able to defend in the half court. Yes. I, I thought it, it, at some point you had to start throwing that at them a little bit earlier because I thought when you did throw it at them, you you saw once again that it was a team that couldn't handle it. Well, I mean, I I said it once I saw it and I saw it be successful. It should be a part of this team's DNA. And I and still, we thought it was right. And, and for and look, when you defend the way that they've defended in the half court, I understand it makes a lot of sense to not want to do it, but the impact like you went to it and you forced a turnover. Yep. that should have been a dunk. Yep, you 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 were able to generate stops because they're getting into their offense a little bit, a little bit later. It changed the game for you. It got you back in the game in a lot of different ways once you kind of had had lost control of the game. And so, um, look, uh, they can't press for forty minutes. You can press for thirty nine. Press for thirty eight. I mean, you don't have to though. It's strategic in the in, in the first half. It can be strategic. 
You, you, I'm not saying you got to come out and immediately start pressing, but there are times where you could have thrown that in there to at least try to get to, to build even more momentum. Like to me, that's that's what it should have been used for. But you know, for some reason, that's that's just not how they've gone about things. I don't know if it is a concern about you know guys wearing down. I have I have no clue. But they went to it late. It worked. And it, but you just you couldn't find a way to do it on enough possessions. But again, like the 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 way that you can get into that more even late in the game is by making shots. And when your shot selection is as poor as it was last night, I mean, there's just there's there's no way that you can do that. Well, I mean, I felt like especially last night, Hubert wanted to press off of made free throws more. Oh, yeah. Well, that's so. So not even re- problem. Not really in, in 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 live action, if you will. More of off a dead ball situation. You make right. you make two free throws and you set up the press. So when you go nine of seventeen, you're right. It is it is harder. But I just felt like I felt like last night once once that first half lead went away. Like it should have just been something was a non-negotiable. We're going to this to re to re-energize the team, use it as a way to get the momentum back right. in your favor. Because because this was the first time since Kentucky that I watched, and I mean I guess we we've seen it maybe to an ex- a certain extent. We saw it in the first half the other day against Florida State. There were so many times that I said Georgia Tech gets is getting exactly to the spot they want to get to every time. They would just bully their way there. They would screen their way there. Carolina just, they they could not run them off their spot. They allowed Georgia Tech to get comfortable. And this was one of the teams we've seen. You know, Carolina has had teams that have gotten to their spots during this run, but simply have not been hot. Georgia Tech was hitting, like, you saw Sturdivant, perfect from beyond the arc. Like, that dude, it was his night. When he banked that shot in, you knew it's his night. Yep, it was. So, and, and um, you know, I it's 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 hard it's hard to do it night in night out in the yes. sport. Um, you know, you know, I think I think it was top ten teams, um, twenty four and twenty seven going on the road this year, twenty four and twenty seven, and Carolina was the only team in the top ten to not lose a road game. So it was or it, a home game. It was it was bound to happen. Um. And you know Atlanta is a weird place for Carolina to go play. Yep. And you know that 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 kind of struck up again last night. Um, you know the the biggest thing was the offense. You had one guy in double figures. That was R.J. Davis, who was sensational. Twenty eight points, eleven of fourteen from the field, three of eight from three, three of four from the foul line, five points or five rebounds, four assists, um, and and, and literally. Willed Carolina back into the lead the last a minute and a half of the game. I mean, he got a he got a strip at the rim, was able to go down the, on that possession, and that led to the Harrison Ingram three. Of course, he got the loose ball right around the midcourt, took it down the other way for a lay-in. And look, a lot of people beating up Armando Baycott again. Um, well, he it, look and to look, be fair, he got benched early in the second half. Yeah, because and look, it, that's w- not great. But it wasn't. But, it was. For, it was for a lack of rebounding. Yes, um, which know, is concerning in in and of itself because that's supposed to be the area where he's shining the most at times. But yeah, he, look, he still gave you nine and nine, and <laughs> there's going to be times where your opponent's better than you. And I, I thought that they just came out with more energy in the second half than we did. Not saying that I liked giving up six offensive rebounds in two and a half minutes, because I don't. But like that's you know I didn't I it's not just all Armando just not not trying. It was them executing what they wanted to execute. But he four of eight from the field, only you know only nine points. He didn't see the ball after the the middle part of the first half. Yep, and after. After continuously busting his butt, getting position, and scoring in and at the rim. Um, they built the lead because they were able to get whatever they wanted inside and then kick it outside to an open shooter. And they were able to make those types of shots. Um, and then it just all went away. I think you saw how important Elliot Cadeau was. 
because Elliot yes. Cadeau is going to get him involved. And not to say that R.J. Davis isn't looking to get him involved, but Seth Trimble isn't. Well, they're just not. They're just not the distributors either that Elliot Cadeau is. I mean, and Seth Trimble, like by the way. And and it's nothing on Seth Trimble. We should have seen that it would it would be coming at some point. Him shooting the ball better. That's that's gone. That's 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 not happening right now. He's he's not shooting well from the field. And you saw it again last night. My thing, the thing that frustrated me the most. And I mean, everybody wants to go after Armando. I mean, I had some guy tell me last night that he's that he's one of the laziest players that's ever played for Carolina, which I was like, you got to be kidding me. I, I mean, I, I did not have time to spit to spend just shredding this guy because I would have been there all night. Like we we've laid out on the podcast all year the different things that he's doing. Well, and like, even well, last night, and like, also the if effort he is was that there. like then then you just don't put any value in what your head coach tells you. Like, Hubert Davis has gone out to defend him because even reporters are saying, hey, what's wrong with Armando? In the same games where Leonard Hamilton and Steve Forbes said he was was the difference in the game. Despite not scoring, despite not rebounding, the screens he's – oh, you want to know why Carolina couldn't get downhill last night? Because for some reason, you know, yes, he got sat. I'm not going to sit here and lie with you. I disagreed with it. He's too important to what you do on both ends of the court to be sad for that long. And But when he's not out there setting screens, guess what? Can Carolina get downhill the way they want to? No, because Jalen Washington's screen setting isn't as effective as his. Now, Jay Williams pointed that out on the broadcast time and time again last night. And, and so is he having the type of year that we expected him to have? Probably not. He's still averaging a double-double. Well, and, and the expectations are just crazy. I have said it over and over again over the last year and a half or so. Guys, he is not the player that he was in 21-22. That was him playing a- above anything that you will ever see from him ever again. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say just, I'm No, say no, it's not true. The, it's true because it's just like Garrison Brooks. Remember the expectations for Garrison Brooks coming out of his junior year. Well, he was a guy that had a stretch of 30-point games. Yes, because he, he he was playing ridiculously well for a stretch. Armando's not going to be that guy. I'm sorry. That's not him anymore. I mean, I'm not going like, to say that's not him as a player. You don't you don't become the first dude to ever record six double-doubles in an NCAA tournament. You don't tie a single-season record for double-doubles. Um, with David Robinson, and you're just not that guy. But it's we haven't seen it since. But okay. like he's just not that dominant of a guy, which is fine. Well, That's not the end of the world that he's not that dominant. There's more film. Teams are finding other ways to take him out of what he does. Like it's not just like this idea that he's regressed. Ludicrous. Like if you think he's just regressed as a player, you. Don't know what you're well, talking I'll about. Well, I'll say this: he's not an NBA player. Like he's showing us that that's he wasn't a, he wasn't an NBA that, that, player during truth. that run. No, I, I well, I mean the way he rebounded, not some a, people thought he no, could be a fringe NBA player. He won't even come close to making the NBA. There's like, not a spot in the NBA for a guy that plays the game that he the way he plays it. But yeah. like, I, I mean, look, the thing is, is whether we agree that he is the same player or not. The people that think that Jalen Washington is better than him right now, I mean, are you are, are you kidding me? Really? You really think that Jalen Washington can protect the rim the way that he does? As you pointed out, you think he can screen the way that he does? Like, and this is what sucks, because then it turns into us talking and 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 tearing down Jalen Washington. Jalen Washington is a guy that still has to build his body. It's going to take time because he was a guy that when he came in out of high school, he couldn't focus on that. He had to focus on rehabbing a knee injury that could have possibly ended his career when he was in high school. So... It's going to take him time to get there. But, I, I mean, look, you, you cannot, if you believe that Jalen Washington is better for this team than Armando Baycott, I mean, you're just, you're, you're, you're talking out of your ass. I'm sorry. You, you don't know what you're talking about. You well, do not watch basketball. Uh, I think Clearly it's just something that people got to gotta remember. Like, as, as a big man, if, if he gets position and he doesn't get the ball, it's hard for him to continue to bust his butt, get position, and not get the ball. And I thought there, and look, there were some. I thought Georgia Tech did a much better job in the second half, bumping him off his spot, not letting him get where he wants to get to. But the first half, he was dominant. 
He got he got the ball where he wanted to go, where he wanted to get it, and was finishing in and around the rim. You know, hit one over his shoulder, finished through contact. Like he was doing things that we complained about him not doing. And then when he starts doing them, and then all of a sudden, a guy that shoots less than thirty percent wants to start jacking up threes. Yeah, that's not that's not Armando Baycott's fault. Um, oh, the the shot selection was terrible. Like, yeah. there's no way around it. They needed to attack the basket more. Part of it was that early in the half, Armando wasn't on the floor. But even when he came back onto the floor, they didn't attack the basket the way they needed to. You're talking about a team that had. I mean, pretty much their entire lineup was in foul trouble at some point during the night, and you chose not to attack the basket? You said, no, we're going to settle for threes from the outside with a guy in Cormac Ryan who, by the way, at this point, what, like we're getting close to the point where it's it's time to say, I don't think it's going to click for him from the outside. Like, you need to... You need to put the ball on the floor and drive to the rim because you have that ability. We've seen it. You do a great job drawing fouls when you do that. That needs to be your game right now, and especially last night when it wasn't falling. After a while, you have to realize it's not going down. I need to get to the rim and try to get to the foul line. Same thing with Harrison Ingram. Like I just Last night was the first time all year where I looked and said, man, I'm fr- I'm a little frustrated with the shot selection that we're that we're seeing consistently possession after possession. That was that was the first time I've really said that this year. And look, I think as much as anything, I you 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 have to you have to credit Georgia Tech. I I I thought the zone was masterful. Um, Even though there were a couple of times that they they found a way to expose it, like, yeah, but it took them way too long to realize to get and look they 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 set up in it right. They put Harrison Ingram at the foul line, but the ball never got to the foul line. He did he touch it one time there was when they one were in time. zone yeah. once. And look, as someone that doesn't believe in taking timeouts, so I never criticize about th- that non decision. I would have been okay if Huber Davis would have said timeout. And just reset everything. Tell them, guys, you've seen this before. We're prepared for it. Here's how we have to go and attack it. And this is why I'm not. This is why I'm not frustrated. Like you shot 36 percent from the field. You shot 29 percent from three, and 50 and 53 percent from the foul line, and you lost by a point. Mm-hmm. You you lo- and look. I know Georgia Tech's not sensational, but they've beaten three ranked teams and they won at Clemson. They get up for the big games, and last night was a big game. Yeah, see, the thing for Damon Stoudemire is you got to figure out how to get him excited for all the other games when there's not a number next to the team's name. And, and I think really quickly before we get to our discussion topic, last night one of the one of the few times in conference play, our bench was a negative. You get outscored thirty nine to fourteen. Well, outside, I thought Jalen Washington played relatively well. The rest of the group was pretty I mean, look, non-existent. You 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 look at his numbers: eight points, made all three of his shots, five rebounds, just two of four from the foul line. But as I mentioned, not the not the screener that Armando was. So your offense is different. Um, but but Seth Trimble, six points, two of seven from the field, two of five from the foul line. Jalen Withers played just seven minutes. And didn't the only thing he recorded was two rebounds. Yeah, he's cooled back off a uh, little bit. You know, it just wasn't just wasn't his night. And I think this is something that and I saw this from Adam, from Adam Lucas in um and in his rapid reactions article for Go Heels. There's gonna be nights that Carolina has to shorten their bench. And you don't wanna say that last night was that night because you're on the road at Georgia Tech. But RJ Davis had, you know, he played thirty four minutes or no, thirty five minutes. There was an extended time where he missed time in the first and the second half, and the game got away from from Carolina. And I'm not saying play him 40. I'm not saying run him into the ground, but he is 22 years old. And, you know, you get eight free timeouts. So, like you had to do with Kendall Marshall, on a team that was built to go to the Final Four, how did Roy Williams get his rest? He would sub him out strategically around the media timeouts. And that might be something that Hubert Davis has to consider doing with him because he's too important. Um, It happened on Saturday. He went out of the game. 
the game changed. And you expect that to happen when the ACC Player of the Year isn't on the court, but you kind of felt like you'd gotten to a point where the bench could withstand and let some of your guys miss an extended period of time. Um, you can do it in the front court. Like Carolina was able to hold their own with no Armando. They cannot hold their own without R.J. Davis for an extended period of time. Um, or at- or or Elliot Cadell. I, I if if he doesn't get in foul trouble, I do wonder how different that game. Yeah, and look, being. here's the thing: blessing blessing in disguise that that happened last night. Um, it's a great teaching moment for Hubert Davis. Because you've got to adjust to the way the game is being officiated, mm-hmm. um, yep. and and I would much rather my freshman point guard learn that lesson in January than learn that lesson in March. I'm not going to compare it to when Joel Berry fouled out of a Duke game in the ACC tournament 2017, but I said that wouldn't happen in the NCAA tournament. Carolina won a national championship. Guess what happened? The unit fell out in the NCAA tournament. Carolina won a national championship. He's already shown that he's like he's worth all the hype. He's learning on the fly. I doubt we see a game the rest of the way that Elliot Cadeau puts himself in severe harm of fouling out. Now let's get to the discussion topic um, before our closing notes. Before we get out of this edition of the Four Corners podcast, I know we're running just a little bit, a little bit long here. Um, a lot of uh, not. I'm not gonna say the majority of the fan base panicking, but there's some members of the Carolina faithful that thinks that last night was the beginning of the end and everything we've, we've built to is, is going to be all for not. So the question is, and I'll go first is how beneficial or detrimental. Oh, you must could, love the question. Could the, could last night's loss be, I'm not going to sit here and say that I love the loss because God knows I hate losing, but it's extremely beneficial. This team was trending towards losing. Um, because when you go on long winning streaks in college basketball and the NBA, you every game you win, you didn't play as well as you did the game before. And you slip and you slip and you slip. And you, as you mentioned, you, 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 you fall into habits because even though you're not doing everything the right way, you're still getting wins, which is ultimately the most important thing. That's what you're here for. And I believe, because we've seen how hard Hubert Davis has been on this group, that he's still preaching. I listened to his radio show. Man was hoarse on Monday. I don't think it was a, a light practice before Carolina traveled to Atlanta. But it's not that message isn't being received because you're winning. So, coach, I don't gotta box out as, as hard. I don't gotta run the floor as hard. I don't gotta I don't gotta contest that shot because we're winning. Well now you didn't win. And now you play the biggest game of the season. Um, and what will be a fantastic environment, a great showcase for you know the the league, the conference, and the college basketball world will stop as the two two of the best programs in the sport meet. But now it's easier to get in their heads and tell them you got to run back harder, got to close out better. And so I look at last night as it being the tenth game of conference play. We're nine and one. You've got the Duke game coming up, which as we know means that the gauntlet of our ACC schedule is about to begin, and it's a reset moment for this team, a chance to get back to the basics, get back to the fundamentals, and and not, not necessarily start building back up, but pick up where you left off when you were playing at such a high level. Yeah, I mean, look, it's a reset. Um, I, I mean, look, the mindset of we needed to take a loss. I see. I saw plenty, plenty of people say that. Well, this is what I was hoping for. I would hope not. As a fan, that that doesn't really make a lot of sense. I mean, uh, did I want to lose? No. Did they did they need to lose? Yes, they needed to lose. I mean, I don't know if I would say they needed to lose. I mean, the thing is, is you never this is this is the concern with that mindset. You never know when you say they need to lose what that could ultimately end up doing. Now, do I think this is the game that snaps everything and all of a sudden this team falls apart? No, I don't. I don't see that. I think the leadership, like. Everything we've talked about for the last three months, all of a sudden that's now out the window because they lost the game to Georgia Tech? Like, well, I, I I don't understand that. Well, here's my thing. If if last night's loss crumbles everything, then everything that we thought and we believed in was wrong. Because last night's loss should not... Which is, which I, I got to tell you, is possible because we've seen it before with other sports. 
But at the same time, like I just to me, well, I no, don't we haven't see seen it since two thousand one where they started eleven and zero, finished well, thirteen no, but and three, and I don't see I don't see the signs. There's there are usually signs of this t- like things are going to start to crumble. Like what is the what is the sign before yesterday that you struggled in the first half against Florida State? Like I I, I don't I don't I didn't look at that as a sign. I mean, I, I that's a, a Florida State team that's playing rather well. Carolina still found a way to win that game despite not playing their best game. But, yeah, no. I mean, and look, I, I don't know if you saw more than I did. I didn't see many Tario fans saying that. I saw very few. I saw a lot of Tario fans that were taking the same mindset as we did. Um, that, hey, this is the first conference loss. It's not time to panic. But, I mean, yeah, I think the last four or five years have really scarred some people to the point where there is paranoia anytime this this stuff happens. Like, it, it, it I'm going to tell you, it, it wouldn't have mattered even if they won last night. Let's say they came out one by twenty. If they if they had then turned around and lost on Saturday, there would have been people saying, "Man, I don't know if this Carolina team is really that good." Like, it, it, it's just, it's inevitable. It's going to happen when this team ends up losing games. But I, I, I'm not I'm not that worried. I think there is too much leadership with this group. I think there's still too much confidence. I think Hubert Davis, as I've said multiple times already this year, and even as recently as the other day when we were recapping the Florida State game, I think Hubert Davis is settling in as a coach. He's got the pulse of this team. I don't see this team all of a sudden just saying, well, we lost the game. Here we go. We're back. <laughs> we're, we're back to fading. No, that's not going to happen with this team. So, um, look, the doomsdayers, and, I mean, there's there's plenty of them out there. Most of them root for a different team. They want it to be true so badly. But I, I think ultimately, you know, this is a game that when you look back on it at the end of the year, when you look back on it, Years down the line, I think you'll probably look back at it and say it was probably very helpful for this team. Very similar to the 2017 loss in Atlanta to Georgia Tech that Joel Berry kindly pointed out last night. Yep, that's exactly what we're hoping for, and we'll be here to cover it no matter what happens the rest of the way. Of course, we'll be getting you ready for the Duke game later in the week. A few closing notes before we do get out of this edition of the Four Corners podcast. We are at the midway point of the college basketball season, so a lot of those award lists have been trimmed down. Uh, Harrison Ingram was named to the midseason top 10 for the Julius Irving Award. Ooh. Uh, of course, that goes out to the best small forward in college basketball. R.J. Davis and Armando Baycott both uh, named to the late season top 20 for the Wooden Award. Mm. And R.J. Davis named to the midseason top 10 for the Jerry West Award. So just shows you where Carolina is, where their three best players are up for three of the biggest awards in all of college basketball. Well, with that, guys, that is going to wrap up this edition of the Four Corners Podcast. Before we let you go, do encourage you to visit the website, HeelToughBlog.com, where um, we have the recap of the Georgia Tech game up there for you guys if you want to go back and read a little bit more in depth about what went wrong for Carolina in that defeat. And, of course, we'll be back later in the week. Full coverage of the Duke game preview, recap, and so much more. So make sure you're staying locked in. HeelToughBlog.com for the latest on Carolina basketball. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform. Simply just search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. Well, with that, guys, that's going to wrap up this edition of the show. I do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that.